Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back here on The First Team. I'm Joe DeLeon. Joining me as always is former NFL and college QB Matt Sims, also founder of the Sims Complete QB with us as well. Irish Breakdown recruiting analyst Ryan Roberts. Today, like we did last week, we now have more games to talk about, but we're going to be breaking down three guys that had amazing performances in week one and talking about who they are as players and prospects to familiarize you with them. And it just so happens that two of these guys we're pretty familiar because now everybody is talking about them. That being Keon Coleman from Florida State, that being Travis Hunter from Colorado, and then we're also going to talk about Cam Ward from Washington State, who burst onto the scene with a big first game against Colorado State. Guys, I want to start us off here with Keon Coleman. Um, I am very high on Keon Coleman, and actually, all three of these guys, two of these guys, I'm very high on my my preseason draft rankings. They both made it into my my top fives. Keon Coleman was my number two wide receiver coming into the season. And one had to wonder if he left Peyton Thorne in Michigan State in an offense that was willing to stretch the field, what he could possibly do. And we were fully exposed to what he is capable of as he ended up finishing with nine receptions, 122 yards, and three touchdowns. Ryan, I want to kick it to you first here. His performance was awesome. And we knew that this guy was really dominant when trying to go up and take the football out of the air. What were some of the things that you saw from him against LSU? I mean, I think it was the way that he was winning, Joe, right? I mean, you, you would think that as a 6'4", 215-pound wide receiver, and if you watch his Michigan State film, you know that he's a guy that can win above the rim. And then if you look at his background, this was also a kid that averaged 26 points per game in high school as a basketball player as a junior, and he was a legitimate Division One basketball prospect as well. So should it shock anyone that he was able to out-leverage guys like Deuce Chestnut, who's a little bit of a smaller corner? No, it shouldn't surprise you. What was surprising, though, was one of his – may have been his first touchdown of the game was a after-catch play where he's able to yeah, kind of shield off the defender. first catch of the game, too. Yeah. And, and, and Matt, that's, that wasn't really what you saw at Michigan State. At Michigan State, you saw a guy that was a catch point dynamo, a guy that just went above the rim without leverage defenders in the air and showed really strong hands, which you got that during an LSU game, but you also got – a little bit of everything, right? Like there was a little bit more route running nuance than maybe what you saw at Michigan State. You saw the ability after the catch. So I think that he just showed that he wasn't just a big bodied receiver. There was some legitimate after catch or some legitimate route running. And obviously he took advantage of what is not a great LSU secondary in game one. You know, obviously Deuce Chestnut was the was the sole <laughs> um the sole figure in some of these big highlights against Florida State. But, I mean, I think the college football world was just really given a glimpse into how good Keon Coleman could be, right? Like, this is a legitimate NFL receiver, 6'4", 215, going to run somewhere in the 4'4s, basketball background. It's wonderful. And it's also nice to see him away from Peyton Thorne, right? Like, oh, man, who would have who would have thought that this kid would shine more once he got away from well, Peyton Thorne? But, well, I mean, well, yes, yes. Here's one ahead. thing that I just want to elaborate that. I, okay, I here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, a, being an apologist for Peyton Thorne. I think a lot of that had to do with just in general that offense was not – 
it wasn't very good. I mean, it, like it didn't set them either of them up for much success. You you you're not incorrect, but also I will say is that quarterback play can also make offenses look bad as Matt, I'm sure that you can attest to, right? If you've seen a bad quarterback play, like that's not, that's not going to help an offensive playmaker. I think I might've been, I think I might've been one of the reasons why some of our offenses weren't as good as they could have been. No, 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 that's okay. okay. (laughs) It's all good. I mean, Ryan, you know, you make great points and and I love it. And I, I think we all saw the exact same thing this past weekend. Keon Coleman, depending on, you know, who was evaluating what the team needs are, you can absolutely make the case that this guy is 1A, 1B best receiver in all of college football. Because of the physical traits like you mentioned, just the size and the physical presence on the field is legit. It reminded me of almost like a Calvin Johnson slash Larry Fitzgerald type of football player where his size and his physicality is a tremendous asset for this guy. And especially in the red zone, you know, and and according to the Jets, the gold zone, right, depending on who you play for. But Keon Coleman's ability that you said to catch – and then make some stuff after the catch was really the most impressive highlight of this past weekend. You, you mentioned his measurables. For a guy to be able to bounce off a tackler, you know, uh, of course we expect that he's 215 pounds. But then to accelerate after that very quickly within that five to six yard burst, and then to have that sidestep where he avoids that safety. And that is a move that I challenge all of you at home to go out and practice that. To take your left leg and to swing it behind your right leg as you're trying to, uh, someone's trying to tackle you and not break stride or fall over yourself was extremely impressive. So Keon Coleman, man, they got to continue to find ways to get that dude the football, and he'll continue to get better too as long as the rest of the receiving core actually learns how to catch the football a little bit more consistently. And I don't mean that to yeah. be funny at all. We saw a Florida State receiver core that I think is as impressive as Washington, as Ohio State from top to bottom. And I think for Keon Coleman's success as an individual, he really does need some of those guys to continue to to make plays to allow him to win a lot of those one-on-one matchups. You know, one topic that you didn't highlight today, Joe, because I know we're a very player-centric show, but you're, yes. you're a big SEC guy. You also poo-poo uh-huh. on the ACC uh-huh. all the time, but the ACC put them in the woodshed this weekend, baby. Oh, not true, true, game, true. Not even, not even that game of Florida State being LSU, but also North Carolina dominated South Carolina. Uh, I mean, the ACC might not be quite as bad as Joe DeLeon kind of portrays it sometimes. All right. Maybe the Pac-12 right. might be the best conference of all of them at the end of the season. We'll see. <laughs> See, that's why I, I don't want to go that far right. because like on paper, it sounds like that's true, but then it's like that's no longer a conference. So, you know, anything can happen on any Oh, no, Saturday. it's still maybe- a conference until 2024, Joe. It is still a conference, sir. It's still yeah. a conference as of today. Yeah. Maybe we should have taken some time to talk about Tyler Van Dyke, though, if, Ryan, because if, a lot of people want no. to hear my opinions on him. <laughs> what right. saying, well, that was a juicy of a take. But man, Keon Coleman, man, I mean, super impressive, dude. And, and yes. you got to like what you saw week one from him. And, and this is where I challenge Florida State play a little bit cleaner on both sides of the football Jordan Travis continue to develop your decision making process because there was definitely a few plays early on in the beginning part of that game that were very questionable that could have easily swayed the advantage to LSU in a tremendous way so they survived some of those growing pains which is typical especially when you're playing against a better team but man Keon Coleman is a force to be reckoned with the ACC and wouldn't be surprised if he is the offensive player of the year in that conference 
Joe, can I also make a quick apology? I would like to send an apology out. That's a first. Go ahead. I would like to send an apology out to Jordan Travis. I saw Jordan Travis like two, three years ago, and I was like, that kid is not a power five quarterback because he wasn't really at that point, right? But the last two years, man, he has stepped his game up. Yes, last year he was very good. This first game, I agree, it was not a perfect game, Matt, but he still threw for 350 yards and showed his dynamic ability. Definitely. The kid is a whole lot better of a potential prospect than I once thought he was. So, sorry, Travis. Sorry, Jordan. To round out the thoughts here on Coleman before we get to Hunter, though, a big reason why I put him that high and I put him at two was that I thought that everything you guys just talked about there, that I think he has that explosiveness and that athleticism to not just be that jump ball guy. There were times in Michigan State where he was able to create that separation. He was able to create those extra yards, those hidden yards, if you will. But again, as we just mentioned here, didn't really get set up to be that successful. His stat line was was good, but it's not. it wasn't as good as it's about to be this season if he continues mm-hmm. to get games sure. like this and the amount of targets that he had in this performance in a very pass-centric offense. So yeah. I'm excited for Keon Coleman. I, I'm going to keep bringing up the fact that I had him at number two ahead of anybody else. And I'm willing to bet that he's going to finish there. Kind of like a guy like Drake London, who just ends up winning all these close contested situations. Talking about Travis Hunter, talking about a guy who, who lit the world on fire this weekend, uh, proved a lot of doubters wrong. Coach prime also proved a lot of doubters wrong with the way that they played against TCU. But the biggest storyline here, and I, I, we're going to end up talking about Shadur Sanders at a certain point, but we have to hone in the fact the Travis Hunter played 110 plus snaps. I forget what the exact number was at wide receiver and defensive back. He had an interception in a crucial red zone situation, a play that is insanely unreal and impossible to, to do as a defensive back. To cut off that pass and rip it out of the air the way that he did is something that you will almost never see a DB be able to do. And then on top of that, 11 receptions. For 119 yards, you can't take this kid off the field. Oh, another guy who, even with a lighter frame, wins in contested catch spots. So we're starting to see the athleticism, the traits that he has and brings to the table. To talk about his performance here, Matt, what were some of the things that you got from him? I mean, the first thing that kind of jumps to my mind, I mean, we know the athleticism and his raw ability is really impressive. But this dude's hand-eye is like exceptional. It it is off the charts amazingly good. There was two catches that were ruled incompletions because he stepped out of bounds with one, the red zone fade, and then the other one down the right sideline where he bobbled it. But the fact that he was able to bobble these, these passes and then still be contacted and keep his focus and still catch the football, I was more impressed with those plays, and they didn't even count. So Travis Hunter, extremely impressed with his hand-eye coordination. Now, as far as like a route runner goes and all that, didn't really see a ton of like real route running ability like you would as an NFL scout to evaluate. But man, there is a lot to be excited for Mm. there. And and you just kind of look at him as like, man, this is an athlete that could be molded into an unbelievable player depending on where he puts his focus on at the next level. Um, the 110 snaps to me is very concerning. I can't lie. Uh, it really is something that you have to keep in mind when you're watching this player for the rest of this season to expect 110. I think his final snap number is maybe 129 total to expect him to continue to do this 
would be honestly borderline abuse to some degree. I know that he's a young man and he's excited to show the world what he's capable of too. But I also get slightly concerned too about burnout and then him being a little bit more uh, in a position of of being injured, you know, in his career. So I th- say this more so from the the fact of being a former player and want to see the longevity of a player like this continue to play because it was exciting to watch. The defensive recognition was extremely impressive. It really was, and his ability, right, to really fight through that that durability and that stamina on a hot Texas day was as impressive as his his instinctual ability too. Well, Joe, that's one thing that we talked about afterwards, right, is that I think there's still a question if you're Colorado as far as like how sustainable it is, right, Matt? Yeah. And I think that's kind of a, a point that you're getting there. 129 sat, snaps, that's just not sustainable, right? Like you just you, a player can't do that on a week-to-week basis. There is going to have to be a little bit of a reeling in and being like, hey, man, we might need to choose our spots a little bit more, whether it's taking some snaps off offense, taking some snaps off defense, special teams, whatever it is. You have to be able to save this kid's body because, to your point, Joe, he is still a slender frame, right? It's it's surprising how well he wins in the air. It's surprising how physical he is for a kid that's probably 165 pounds right now. I think it's – I mean, he's a he's a unicorn by in all, in all areas of the word, right? Like the, when he comes out and when he is draft eligible in 2025 – the names that are going to be brought up to describe this kid are going to be players like Charles Wilson and Chris Gamble and Champ Bailey, guys that ha- are athletic enough to affect the game on both sides of the football. And he's even to a higher degree because he's not just a – like. I, I mean, I'm going to use Charles Woodson again, for example. right? Charles Woodson was an All-American defensive back who could also give you reps on offense and make some plays. But he wasn't a full-time wide receiver. He wasn't a guy that could have went and played wide receiver in the NFL – Travis Hunter is. Travis Hunter could legitimately probably play both on the next level if he felt like it. So this kid is a unicorn. And I think that was the best part of this was that Colorado was a little bit of a wild card coming into this week. Mm. How quick of a turnaround could this happen? Going against a TCU team that we knew was going to take a step back because they lost a lot from last year's team. I mean, you lost your starting quarterback, your top running back, your first-round wide receiver, your offensive coordinator, several defensive players, including the Jim Thorpe winner last year and Travis Hodges-Tomlinson. Like, and, pens- uh, and still spent a whole offseason doing the exact same defense that got them spanked in the national championship. So that's just one little yes. pet uh, of mine. But okay. Yes, it, it's, it's a maddening Oof. part of the game, Matt, when some people are just so – particular on their ways. This is what I do. This is what I'm going to stick to my stick to my guns and it's it is incredibly frustrating. But, but either way, can't discount the performance from Colorado in general. Great win. A great victory to start off the Deion Sanders tenure. There's no doubt about it. But I still think that we need to be mindful is that if we need Travis Hunter to be Superman on 129 saps on a week-to-week basis, I just don't think that's sustainable, right? At some point you're going to have to cut that number down probably lower than a hundred most weeks. Like it's going to have to be, or else this kid's probably going to break down at some point, but marvel at him folks marvel at him. Yeah, Cause you are seeing a it. player that is probably a once in a generation type of athlete. There just aren't many of these guys that come around. They only come around every so often, which is why he was obviously a five-star recruit coming out of high school. And quick point to that too. I think some of these players come around maybe a little bit more often, but we don't see the coaches able to tap into what they do extremely well and to take advantage of those those players that have that ability. You know, and that's something that I think is extremely important too. 
that was my biggest concern with this Colorado team was what is the coaching staff and just how does the team sync together in such a short period of time? A lot of pros on that coaching staff, a lot of pros in the coaching analyst side of that coaching staff, like Pat Shermer and Dennis Thurman, um, Sal Sanzari being out there too as well on the, uh, the linebackers coach, I believe. So just talented crew that did a great job of taking advantage of what these athletes do extremely well and credit to Sean Lewis for getting this guy in space. That's a really good point bringing up here too that his head coach, Deion Sanders, didn't do it to this extent, but in the NFL, return kicks. He also did sometimes play as a receiver. Again, not as often as Travis Hunter did. I, I think that there maybe he, have been he also some guys outfield in a World Series as well. I mean, so yeah, right, Deion is insane. Those types of dudes, yeah. But there may have been guys that we just never even were given the chance to see do both things because. A lot of head coaches, they go. these guys go to SEC programs, Pac-12 programs with long tenured coaches that are old school and are thinking, no, you're going to play this position or you're going to play that position. It's going to take somebody like Coach Prime to say, you know what, I did both. Travis Hunter's good enough to do both. He's our best football player. If we're going to win this game and he wants to do both and he's volunteering to do both things, let's get him out there. Let's see how much we can get him on the field. I bet that they try to pull back a little bit more, but that is what's setting him up for – being able to do this and maybe be at the podium at, at the end of the year if he continues this level of a uh, of, of, of performance. The one thing I want to just to wrap our thoughts here on Travis Hunter, and you kind of opened this convo, Ryan, I think eventually as excited as some people are to say he can do both in the NFL. I think realistically, though, in line with what I just talked about, a lot of NFL coaches are going to say, well, I'd love if he could do both things. Maybe we'll give him some receptions, but he's going to play defensive back. I think eventually his most dominant impact is going to be as an outside corner uh, because he's just built perfectly to, to not only shut guys down because of his footwork, his, his athleticism, his length, but like his ball skills, man, he's going to be one of those guys that's really, really productive. I just want to add one thing to that. I think that's a great point. We've also seen Bill Belichick, though, have the the ability to use a guy like Julian Edelman, right, a, a, and and yeah. and Branch as well as just guys. Troy Brown that, too. Uh, Troy, Troy Brown. Brown. Yes, uh, great yeah. point, right? So yeah. you know he's taken some of the guys that he's maybe said, all right, you're a receiver, but they still make impacts in special teams. And then in case of injury or certain things that they don't have an advantage wise, roster wise, they put him out there in those defense defensive back positions. So. He's going to be one of those players that you're going to feel very comfortable knowing that he is just a football player. And, and when yeah. you have a football player, you have the flexibility of being able to put him at positions to win football games. And, and that's something that I think is very important for Travis Hunter and the future of his career. All right, let's talk about our last player, one that was uh, uh, a heavy push by Ryan and no pushback here because I, he was in my top five quarterbacks in the preseason, <laughs> that being Cam Ward. This past weekend against Colorado State, he has uh, a stat line of uh, 37 for 49. A lot of passing attempts for Colorado State. He throws for 451 yards and three touchdowns. Ryan, he's got a really, really exciting background. Being a former Incarnate Word player where he just dominated as a redshirt freshman, he moves up to Washington State. His offensive coordinator, who was his head coach at Incarnate Word, left – to go take over North Texas, I believe. But what do we have on, on Cam Ward, and, and what did you see from him this weekend? 
So Cameron Ward, Joe, fascinating backstory. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. So zero star recruits came out of the state of Texas. Comes actually from a football family. His cousins, I believe, are Quandre Diggs and Quinton Jammer that both played in the NFL. So he has wow. a football family, but yet he was a zero-star recruit. And honestly, I watched some of his high school highlights, and I kind of know why he was a zero-star recruit. Like, they ran a lot of, like, wing T stuff. Like, he was running the ball a lot. Like, he didn't really let him throw the ball a ton in high school, which is kind of weird. Funny, though, he comes into Incarnate Word, as a true freshman in the 2020 season, which of course is the COVID year, right? So that season got pushed into the spring. Well, my guy comes out that year, and I believe it was six games, six games as a freshman in a spring season, and throws for over 2,200 yards in six games, 24 touchdowns, and only four interceptions. That, wow. my friends, is 376.7 yards per game at passing. <laughs> As a true freshman, and I know it's FCS football, but at any level, that is really, matter. really good. Any yeah. single level. The next year, he comes out, he throws in a full season in 2021, 4,648 yards and 47 touchdowns. In 19 career games at Incarnate Word, Cameron Ward threw for 6,908 yards in 19 games and 71 touchdowns also had three rushing touchdowns so 74 total touchdowns in 19 games absolutely ridiculous and with the <laughs> transfer portal options the way are now obviously some nfl folks and this is the back this is kind of the 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 feedback that you get is that like man that's awesome but like we would like to see you against better competition if we could right so he goes into the portal and there's a lot of schools that are Entertaining him. I know you mentioned before, Joe, like Ole Miss was one that wanted Cameron Ward pretty badly in the transfer portal that year. He ends up going to Washington State because his coach was obviously the offensive coordinator at the time. He goes there. And the first year, there was a lot of good, but it was very up and down. 23 touchdown passes, I think like nine interceptions. Like it was still mm. good, though, making that transition. He started out this year, though, on an incredible high notes. I think because I've been on record. I think that the offense last year was a problem at Washington State. Their defense was pretty dang good, though, and they have a good defense coming back this year. If Cameron Ward is able to take this step, which he showed, I know it's just against Colorado State, but he's got Wisconsin this week, so we're going to see very quickly if this is real. And if this is real, I think Washington State is a sleeping giant in the Pac-12 this year. Mm -hmm. And a big reason for that is second year on the FBS level, Cameron Ward taking his game to the level that we saw in the opener. Yeah, these are great points, Ryan, and I totally agree with you. I think this is going to be a coming-out party for him this weekend against Wisconsin, Tanner Mordecai, mm -hmm. and, and Luke Fickle. Uh, I was just super impressed with the subtle movements that he had in the pocket versus Colorado State. There's multiple plays throughout that game where he moves up into the pocket. There are people bearing down on him, and he is very calm and collected and throws absolute strikes down the middle of the field. I also love the fact that he was able to recognize ex exactly what the defense was doing and make a quick decision and get the football out of his hands extremely easily and quick the other aspect that I really like too we saw a few plays of improvisational stuff too where he flips a football in like a little backhand flip a little option flip but a little shallow cross now it might have been like a little dangerous but the fact that he was just kind of that cool about it was very impressive um, 
did a really good job of recognizing blitz on a few occasions, getting the football out fast and throwing a nice little swing route to his running back for a touchdown down the sideline too, which was a beautiful throw and right in stride. Um, and then really, you know, the other part of it that I really was impressed with, and it's always a main thing that I look at in evaluating quarterbacks, he moved very well out of the pocket and threw extremely well on the move. And mm. he threw absolute strikes on a few occasions, especially in the low red, that were just right between the numbers. So uh, Cam Ward, a guy that you have to keep your eye on, Keep out looking out for him because I think he is going to have a breakout this game uh, versus Wisconsin. As long as they can protect him, I think he is really going to show out and, and kick some butt. Watch out for Cam Ward this weekend. At Joe DeLeon, at Sims Complete QB, at Rising Draft. Enjoy your weekend, folks. We'll be back. Toodles. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.